the day for him to enter Jerusalem as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the promised Messiah. It's time. He tells his disciples, look, there's going to be a donkey and a colt. I want you to bring them over to me. And I love what he says. If anybody asks you what you're doing, say the Lord has need of it and they'll send it immediately. We all know that when the Lord says he has need of something, we need to roll with it. But how many of us, the Lord says, I have need of you. And you say, but Lord, baseball season started. God could change the world on his own if he wanted to, but he wants us to. Going to an amusement park is fun, but it's more fun with company. As Pastor Daniel teaches in Matthew today, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. He includes his disciples in his plans. He builds relationships, teaches us, loves us through our interactions with him as well. We need to be ready when he asks. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, verse 1, with part one of his message entitled, The King Throws Down. The year was 1933. Right in the midst of the Great Depression, America elected a new president. His name was Franklin Delano Roosevelt. We know him more commonly as FDR. And FDR being elected in the midst of the Great Depression, he made his first 100 days in office. Very, very important. History tells us that he enacted over 150 bills in the first 100 days. So a little more than three months into his very first term. Desperate times called for desperate measures. And he jumped on in there all the way in. Now... He began what now is commonly called the idea of the first hundred days, where most people would say that when you elect a new official, especially a president, you'll know a lot about what their presidency will be like based on their first hundred days. It's a time when they have the most power. There's no water under the bridge, so their popularity is at the greatest. And really, that first hundred days begins to set the tone for their entire term in office. And if you do a Google search over first hundred days and you look at different presidents throughout history, you find things that both FDR and Ronald Reagan were very well known for having highly successful first hundred days. You find that John F. Kennedy was actually quite worried about his first 100 days. In his inaugural address, he actually talked about how he was never going to be able to do everything in 100 days. And it becomes a pretty standard benchmark. Now you might say, well, so Fusco, why are you telling us this about the first 100 days? And there's a reason. Palm Sunday, the day that the church celebrates Jesus's triumphal entry, Jesus coming into Jerusalem and being declared king. What I want to do today is I want to help you see the reality that Jesus' first two days as king of Israel was a total mess. Literally. Jesus literally did everything you're not supposed to do in his first few days as king. 
From a political perspective, Jesus tanked, so to speak. It all went wrong. But you realize that there's a way that seems right unto humans from a worldly perspective, and everything looks wrong, but in the eyes of God, and you guys know Jesus being God's son who always does those things which please his father, Jesus gets it right on. But Jesus is unexpected. What he does doesn't make a whole lot of sense. If Jesus were to bring together the greatest political advisors of his day, they would have never let Jesus do half the things that he did. Because everything about Jesus' first few days championed as the king and savior of Israel, it's all unexpected. So my hope today is as we look at these passages today, that we would have virgin ears and virgin eyes to see this stuff afresh. And that we would think about these things and say to ourselves, wow, God, as is always God's prerogative, never does things the way that we expect. And my hope is that God will meet each one of us here today over his word in unexpected ways. So open up in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21. I'm actually going to take all of Matthew chapter 21 today. I hear the, the slight snickers. If you look at the chapter, it's actually 46 verses, which means that um, I need to do each verse in less than a minute. Oh, you guys are laughing, eh? But my goal really today is because oftentimes on Palm Sunday, you're going to see the Matthew 21 verses 1 to 11 read and explained. We're going to do the whole chapter. And really my goal today is to, is to read to you a lot of scripture and just comment where it needs to be. Because you'll see quite quickly how Jesus, I've called this message the king throws down. Because Jesus is not playing around. Literally, he throws down. And you're going to see all that goes on. So look at what happens first. Matthew 21, verse 1. It says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly, sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitude who went before and those who followed cry out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth, of Galilee. So it begins that the king is celebrated. The king is celebrated. This is your classic Palm Sunday passage. The king is being celebrated. 
So the story begins in verse 1 with Jesus is coming over the Mount of Olives. He came to Bethpage, which was a city on the Mount of Olives. Now, if you've ever been to to the Holy Land, to, to Jerusalem, you know that the Mount of Olives is right on the east side of the city of Jerusalem. And it sits a little bit higher in elevation. So if you've ever seen those beautiful pictures of the Temple Mount, that looks looking right over the Temple Mount, those are all taken from the Mount of Olives. And so if you've never gone, we're trying to plan a trip for maybe the fall of 2015 to take a little pilgrimage over there and go to the different places in the scriptures and read and, and talk about what that means. It'll be a blast. If you've never done it, it's an amazing trip. And if you've done it, you probably want to go again because that's what happens once you get there once. It's kind of like, man, I want to go back there. But Jesus is coming over from the east side of Jerusalem over the Mount of Olives, right? And he tells his disciples, like, listen, I want you to go into this adjacent town here and you're going to find a donkey and it's colt tied and I want you to loose it. I want you to bring it to me because I need it. And he says, if anyone asks what's going on, just simply say the Lord has need of them and immediately he will send it. So Jesus is coming in and Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. He's setting the stage. He realizes that today is the day for him to enter Jerusalem as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the promised Messiah. It's time. He tells his disciples, look, there's going to be a donkey and a colt. I want you to bring them over to me. And I love what he says. If anybody asks you what you're doing, say the Lord has need of it and they'll send it immediately. Now, I do want to make a quick application here because we all know that when the Lord says he has need of something, we need to roll with it. But how many of us, the Lord says, I have need of you. And you say, but Lord, baseball season started. Lord, it's a new season of The Bachelorette. Oh, Lord, you need me, but you know, it's sunny outside, Lord, and I got a date with my wakeboard or whatever your thing is. See, he says that if the Lord has need of it, immediately they'll send it. That's the right relationship because he's the Lord. Jesus is the Lord. And when Jesus taps you on the shoulder and says, I need you, the only answer is, okay, Lord. Everything other than that, he's not the Lord. We're the Lord. And I say that because I believe that God wants to use his people. I believe that God loves to partner with his kids to see the world change. He loves to invite his kids along for the ride like you or I do. I love it when I'm out in the yard and the kid's like, oh, could you give me a ride on the tractor? I love that. That's like fun times for dad. Right? Now, sure, I can't wait for Obadiah to start doing the lawn. That would be even more fun. But it's like, yeah, it takes a little extra time, but I love it when they want to be involved in that stuff. And God loves it when you and I say, God, I want in. And what's interesting is I believe God is tapping many of us on the shoulder even right now, saying the Lord has need of you. But we need to be willing and able to come and just say, okay, Lord, okay. Listen, in the end of the day, they'll play baseball again next year. There'll be another season of The Bachelorette. It will be sunny again. But when the Lord has need, we need to just roll with that. Amen? He's the Lord. That's how it works. Now, notice what it says in verse 4, that all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, tell the the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a coal, the foal of a donkey. Now, 
This is the, in fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. That the king is coming into Jerusalem, not on a white stallion with pomp and circumstance, but he's coming lowly, humbly riding a donkey. Now, the last time you saw a guy rolling on a donkey, you didn't think he was big stuff, right? Let's be honest, you've never seen a dude riding a donkey, right? Except for Nacho Libre. (laughs) It's like dudes just don't ride donkeys. Why? Because nobody feels the man on the donkey is the man. But you get a guy on a thoroughbred, he's like, yeah. And, and some of you guys know what it's like. Like you're trying to impress your, your spouse and you go there, I'll ride that thing bareback and you end up laying in the, in the mud, right? Because you think you're a stud and you ain't. It's cool. God knows. He still loves you. When God comes to the earth, he doesn't need the stallion because he doesn't need the props to be the man. He is the man and he knows it. And he can come in all of his majesty humbly because he doesn't need all the entourage. He doesn't need any of it. That props up an insecure person. For a person who's secure, they don't need all that stuff. They don't need it. And so God comes humbly in fulfillment of Zechariah 9.9. And notice what happens. By the time verse 7 happens, the disciples are taking off their clothes and they're laying them on the donkey. And then people are taking off their clothes and laying them on the floor. And they're taking down palm branches. That's why they call it Palm Sunday. And they're putting those palm branches on the floor. And some people are waving the branches. Now, you have to realize the symbolism of what all this means. When somebody were to take off their clothes and let a leader ride over them, you're saying, we are your servants. You can walk on top of us. That's the symbolism. And anytime you take these palm branches, it was always a symbol of royalty, or it's also when they're waving those branches, it has the idea that all of creation is praising Jesus. It says that the trees of the field clap their hands to the glory of God. And they're waving these palms and they're laying there. They're saying, look, you're the king. That's what they're saying. You are the promised Messiah. And then they start crying out, it says, in verse 9, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now, this is a quotation from Psalm 118, 26. Psalm 118 is a messianic psalm. Hosanna means save now. Save now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Save now in the highest. This is all. Man, the king is being celebrated. People are excited. The Messiah is here. This is our hope. This is what we've been waiting for. And it says, and verse 10, All of the city, Jerusalem, was moved. Who is this? And the mold said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. They're saying, man, Jesus is here. He is the promised king. The king is being celebrated. Now you would think, okay, the king's celebrated. He's here. This is his inauguration day. Right? And you guys know you can never make a second chance to make, what, a first impression, right? You guys remember that? That's where your deodorant. That's what they're saying, right? You never get a second chance to make a first impression. So what do you think? Jesus is the king. What's the first thing he's going to do? Obviously, he's going to bring together all the leaders of the city, right? And he's going to sit down. He's going to build some consensus. He's going to figure out a plan, right? That's the way we do it. When you take over a new job, you bring in all the people. You sit down. You figure out what's supposed to be. And then you do make a plan, right? (laughs) Not Jesus. Look at what Jesus does. Verse 12. 
Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants? You have perfected praise. Then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany and he lodged there. (laughs) So now... The king starts trouble. I hope you realize Jesus is starting trouble right now. Very first thing. He's the king. He comes into Jerusalem. Everyone's moved. Who is this? This is Jesus. He's the prophet from Nazareth. And he goes right into the temple of God and he begins to handle people. That's an unexpected turn of events, don't you think? I mean, you have to realize that the temple for the Jewish people was the center of their civic and spiritual lives. In Passover, it's one of the pilgrim feasts. All the able-bodied men came to Jerusalem and they were just looking forward to going into the temple that God had ordained for them and worshiping the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And although they had been enslaved to the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Medo-Persians and the Greeks and now the Romans... That temple always stood as a reminder that they were God's special people. And so what does Jesus do? He comes into Jerusalem. He goes right into the temple area. And he begins to overturn tables. Now, think about this. Have you ever been in a room where someone overturns a table? Yeah, that's a little bit of a, of a fracas, so to speak, right? Now, I, I didn't ask you if any of you overturned tables. I know some of you guys are bad that way. But literally, Jesus is starting to handle people. He's driving people out who bought and sold in the temple. How many of you have ever been to a flea market? It's okay. No judgment. (laughs) We were like... Could you imagine somebody driving people out of a flea market? I mean, this isn't like Jesus walking up and being like, Hi, I'm the son of God. Can you please stop selling all that stuff here? In the name of the Lord. Hi, my name is Jesus. I'm the Messiah. I'm speaking quietly because I'm the Messiah. This is not that. This is a bar brawl, practically. Like he's literally in there and he's restraining people from going through the temple. Now, you have to realize that at the temple, there were all these sacrifices that were meant to be offered. If you're you're tracking through with us on Wednesday nights, we looked at them from Leviticus chapters 1 to 8. And you can imagine that people were traveling from far distances and they needed to be able to get the sacrifices. You say, well, I would have just brought it from home. This was not like today where you take your little animal and you stick it in your cage, you stick it in the back of your pickup truck and you got a straight highway, concrete highway, and you get there and you get off and you take it out of the cage and you offer it. People were on foot. They were traveling in caravans. So they needed proper offerings. But what Josephus, the Jewish man who wrote History of the Jews for the Romans, tells us is that they set up the place where people bought and sold all the offerings. They set it up in the court of the Gentiles. 
which means that if you were Jewish, you could worship in peace and quiet. But if you were not Jewish, if you went to go worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you had to do it in the middle of a flea market. See, the, the Jewish people that day said, look, we want to worship God, but we don't care if you're hindered. We just want to worship the way we want to. Now, of course, there's an application for us, isn't there? Because we have to be careful if we've been around church long enough to not look at church as it's all about me and I don't want those people around. So it'll inconvenience them so I can worship in peace. That happens, doesn't it? And I'm a pastor, so believe me, I know. You get so used to being, oh, it's all nice and neat here at church and I don't want those people here. They don't get it. So it's incon let's inconvenience them. We'll keep them away so we can have our nice worship service. Our hearts are weird that way, isn't it? God accepts us as we are, but we don't want the people who are as they are to be in our midst sometimes. Jesus gets upset and he starts quoting scripture to him. He says, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. He quotes together Isaiah 56, 7, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. That's Jeremiah 7, 11. He's saying, look, He's saying, you guys have missed the point of this temple. It's supposed to be a place for people to pray and commune with God, and you've made it a den of thieves. You're so busy buying and selling. Money changing. Now, the money needed to be changed as well. People would bring their Roman currency. They needed to exchange it for the shekel, the temple tax. So it needed to happen, but the problem was where it was happening. The problem, these things, these aren't bad things, but they're just inconveniencing other people and Jesus is upset about it. I mean, he's so upset he's overturning tables. And if that's not bad enough, if that's not bad enough, look at what happens next, verse 14. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. So think about this. Jesus is upsetting the religious leadership of the day by overturning tables and driving people out and saying, look, this is supposed to be a place of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. And then, to make matters worse, the blind and the lame came into the temple and Jesus touched them and healed them. Now again, people with any deformities or blindness were not allowed into the temple. So now all of a sudden they're coming in to meet with Jesus. Jesus is touching and healing them. And you know what happens when somebody has a deformity and somebody heals them? Everybody comes. And now they're indignant. That word means they burned with anger against Jesus. I mean, Jesus, this is trouble here. This is trouble with a capital T. Because Jesus is doing everything he's not supposed to do. They're like, those people with deformities, those people who are blind, they're not supposed to be in here. They ruin our nice temple experience. Jesus is real. As we heard today, Jesus' first impression wasn't to bring everyone together and try to make a plan. Instead, he went into the temple and overturned the tables of those who were buying and selling in the Lord's house. He does the same for us, a total cleanup. It's our joy to bring you Jesus is Real Radio each day here on this station. 
we want to give you the opportunity to partner with us here at Jesus is Real Radio so we can bring the ministry to as many people as possible. Simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. There you can help spread God's Word by becoming a monthly supporter or by giving a one-time gift. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here of Jesus Is Real Radio. I got some special news. I'm so stoked. My new book called Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives is available on pre-order right now. You might say, why'd you write the book, Daniel? Well, simply because this. Life is messy, but Jesus is real. And we need to talk honestly about both sides of that coin. So get the book now. It's available on pre-order at honestlybook.com or wherever books are sold. I can't wait for you to read it. God bless you. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, we'll hear how Jesus responds to the religious leaders in the temple who won't hear him. Those who will hear him, though, aren't leaders or kings, but disciples and servants of the one true God. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Next time, Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series entitled, This Just Got Real. 